Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. I want to read from 2 Kings chapter 6 today, uh, starting in verse uh, 8, uh, and, and it's a story um, of Elisha. And the prophet who was facing a scenario where the Arameans had surrounded Israel. Uh, it was not uncommon throughout history for uh, the Arameans to, to be at war with Israel. It was kind of like, uh, uh, you know, brother-sister spat kind of a thing. It's like every time you turn around, there's a little bit of an argument, some tension, and then all at war goes. And so this is where we find ourselves in, in 2 Kings chapter 6. And I want to read it today, and then we're going to get to the key verses. We're going to pause. We're going to pray. And then I want to share with you what God has been speaking to me about being surrounded and our response when we are surrounded uh, as part of our deep-rooted series and what I believe God's launching us into in the way of another series starting next week. Verse 8 says this, that now the king of Aram, who was uh, King uh, Ben-Hadad, who, you know, just a strong military leader, he was at war with Israel. And so after conferring with his officers, he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to set up our camps in such and such a place. And so the man of God, which was Elisha, had sent word to the king of Israel. That was King Joram. He said, king, I want you to be aware of, the pa- of, of passing certain places, that place or this place, because the Arameans are going to be there. And he would actually tell him the specific place or the specific location of where King Aram had sent his military. He had different locations. It wasn't just one. It was several locations. Many believed that the locations that he had chosen, he could attack at any moment unexpectedly and quickly, like boom. And so very, very strategic. And so the king of Israel, verse 10, says this, uh, the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in all of these places. So anytime the king would travel, he was aware that the enemy was here, the enemy was there, and so he was on his guard and always protected. So verse 11 says that this enraged the king of Aram, and he summoned his his officers and he demanded them. He said, listen, somebody tell me who the leak is. There's somebody among us that is a traitor. This is like the equivalent of, you know, that unofficial source in the White House or, you know, the unofficial source within, you know, the Toronto Maple Leaf organization kind of a thing. Someone is leaking info as far as the king is concerned, and it's irritating him. And so one of his officers uh, has the courage to say, it's none of us, king. But it's Elisha. It's the prophet of God who is in Israel, and he is telling the king of Israel the very words you speak in your very own bedroom. That place of absolute privacy, where it's only a few would know what's going on. And I'll explain that a little bit later as we get into this. And so the king says, well, fine, go and find out where he is so I can send the men to capture him. And so the report came back and said that he's in Dothan. And so, you know, he sent the horses and chariots. And I love how the NIV says he sent a very strong force there. You know, when I read that, I think, like, this is probably the elite of his elite. This is like the Delta Force, you know. Like, this is, like, these are the guys that you don't know about that's serving military, right? And they, and they, they go in the middle of the night, and, you know, they've got their face covered. And they go in, and they attack, you know. And, and so he sends them there. And it says they went by night, and they surrounded the city. I want you to highlight that. They surrounded 
the city. Verse 15, 16, and 17 is the key for me today. When the servant of the man of God, it's up on your screen, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And instantly his response was, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? And Elisha speaks and he says, listen, don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then verse 17, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hill full of horses and chariots of fire, meaning divine, a divine army, spiritual warfare. We're talking about the armies of God had surrounded Elisha. Would you just join me for a moment and just ask that God would give us deep revelation today to his word and the courage to walk out what we hear today when it comes to our response when we are surrounded and what God's response is. So Father, I would just invite you to just open our ears today. God, may we surrender our minds, our hearts, our situations, our circumstances. And, and God, may we be able to hear what your spirit is saying to teach us truth and revelation that you want us to apply to our daily lives. Or, or maybe it's not for today, but it's something that we will hold on to that we may apply in six months or two months from now or a year from now. And that, God, you would give us the courage to walk out what we've been called to walk out that we would have faith like you desire us to have. So God, give us not only the ears to hear, not only the courage, but God, may we just be open and may we continue to grow in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I don't know if anybody here suffers from uh, being a claustrophobic, you can't handle enclosed spaces. I don't know if I would consider myself uh, like that, but I do have moments of, you know, I don't like enclosed spaces. Um, it might be on borderline claustrophobia, but I, I, you know, I've never been diagnosed. I've never really felt that way, but there are moments. And I had one of those moments when we went to Florida uh, a few weeks ago. We got on the plane, we, you know, we flew down, and the plane was jam-packed with people. Like, every single seat was taken, there was no spaces, and it was a fairly large plane. Now, normally it doesn't bother me. I like being, you know, near the front or the middle. I don't like being at the back because one time we had a flight back uh, from Mexico and we were in the very back row and you can't even recline your seats. So, you know, it's awkward and you're at the back and you just want to get out, you know, kind of a thing. And, and so, you know, like any other plane as we're sitting in the middle, I'm on the end of the aisle, Cor's in the middle, Abby's, you know, by the window seat and, and you know, and she's just having a blast because it's really one of her first memorable plane rides that she's had. And, and so, uh, so anyways, we, we land and what is it? everybody do when you land, right? Everybody stands up and they crowd the aisles and they start grabbing their bags and like they're anxious to get out the door and I get it. And I don't normally stand up right away because I'm like, well, what's the point, man? We're going to be sitting here. We're going to be standing for a long time. So I might as well sit here, enjoy, put my headphones on, listen to music and whatever. But while we were on the plane, Court doesn't even know this. While we're on the plane, I actually started to get overwhelmed. And everyone's kind of crowding in on you, right? You know, it's kind of one of these things, you know, like, and it's just, you know, like, and I'm, I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly big guy, so, like, I take up my seat, you know, like, and, and they're just doing one of these things, you know, and, like, and it's awkward, you know, it's like, get off me, you know, kind of thing, and, and so, and, and you just, and all of a sudden, I felt overwhelmed. Like, I felt so, I just felt like everything was coming in on me, 
And when that happened, I just put my head down and I started to just focus in on, you know, the worship music that I was listening to. And I'm like, God, I just, I, I got to really just, I got to calm down here because I'm starting to get overwhelmed and I couldn't wait to get out. Like, I just get me out. Like, I was ready to climb over chairs. Like, it was starting to get that, like, that big for me. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that in the natural, but I bet you you've had that feeling in the spiritual or in life. Where you feel like the pressures of life, stuff going on, whether it's, you know, the day-to-day stuff, home life, you know, finances, uh, you know, situations that you're dealing with at work, relationships within your family, your neighbors, uh, maybe something that you know is going on that you just really feel for somebody, or maybe you feel the attack of the enemy, you can sense that the enemy's trying to trip you up, or there's just this, this warfare that's coming against you, and you can sense it, and you just feel overwhelmed. And you have those moments where you actually are like, God, I don't know, I just feel like it's all around me, that I'm surrounded. It's like no matter where I turn, I'm facing a situation that's bigger or more difficult or more challenging, and I'm, I'm frustrated. I don't know if you've ever had that moment. I'm sure you have. And you feel like, I don't even know what to deal with first. What, what, what's the first thing I got to deal with? What's, I don't even know where to turn. I just, all I just know, I just want to get out of this. I just want to be done with this. And the reason why I share this message today is because uh, for, for two reasons, well, one reason really, I've been, I've been, and I think I'm going to launch it next week, I've been thinking about for the last few weeks doing a series called The Walking Wounded. Because Romans chapter, or sorry, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about how we should let go of everything that hinders us in our race. The, the Passion Translation, as I was studying this, said, let go of everything that has, or every wound that has pierced you. You know, sometimes the journey of faith, we find ourselves encountering things that wound us, whether it's, you know, rejection, hurt, offense. And the thing is, is that the writer of Hebrews says you got to let those things go in order to run your race that God has called you. But there's healing in that. And so while I was thinking about this, God reminded me of this moment with Elisha. He was surrounded. And the question is, what's my first response when I'm surrounded? And that's something that God's been dealing with with me. You know, like, what's my response when I feel overwhelmed? What's my response when I feel that, that everything is around me? And whether it's challenges in front of me, day-to-day stuff, life, not just faith, but life. And then, of course, you know, uh, it could be medical issues. It could be spiritual issues. But it just feels like I'm surrounded. I'm like, God, what do I do in those moments? And that's what God's been speaking to me. What do you do? What is your first choice? Because sometimes our first choice is like Elisha's servant. Who, by the way, this is not his first time hanging out with Elisha. He already knows and seen many incredible things that God has done. I highlight that because sometimes, you know, we're like Elisha's servant where where he panicked, the scripture says. Like it freaked him out. When he saw this this massive army, this elite force, ready to barrel down on Elisha, he knew instantly why they were there. And and he started to panic. The the word in the Hebrew gives this idea of frenzy. Like he was just like, ah, I don't know what to do. What are we going to do? And just think about that for a moment. It's not like he's never seen opposition while he's been traveling with Elisha. Of course he has. Does it reveal a lack of faith on his part? Uh, I'm not so sure. I think it probably, you know, it, it actually is a great sign of his, of his humanity. 
Because all of us, man, all of us, all of us can testify, man, to some moments in God where, it, you know, we've, we've been faithful, but we've encountered some stuff that's made us scared or made us worry. We have anxious moments, and, and God's grace is there and all that kind of stuff. We've all had moments like Elisha's servant. We, we have the anxious moments. I mean, who wouldn't be anxious when you're looking at this elite force ready to barrel down on you? But again, what's our response? Do we allow the panic to take over? Do we allow, you know, the, uh, you know, the frustration, the worry, the anxiety? Because I can be honest with you. There are times, even for me, that I hit frenzy. I call it the spiral. Anybody ever hit the spiral? Right? You have one thought that leads to another thought that leads to another thought that leads to another thought. And the next thing you know, you're in a spiritual hole and you don't know how to get out of it. You're so discouraged, you're so depressed, you don't know if anything's ever going to change. She's like, woe is me, like, God, you got to rescue me, like, my life is over, I don't know what I'm going to do. Anybody ever experienced that? It's the spiral. And how many times have I worried at the sight of what's in front of me? And yet, here's the thing. The truth is, and this is where it's connected to the series that we've been on, Deep Rooted. Remember the words of Jesus, he said, look... If you want to call me master, then don't just listen to my words, but walk out my words. But if you walk out my words, when the storm comes, when you dig deep and allow me to be the foundation of your life, when the storm comes, not if, when that storm comes, you will survive. And not just survive, you'll thrive in the midst of that. It's not going to take you out. You'll stand strong in the midst of that battle. And I know that there are times where we read that and like, okay, God, this is how I feel. This is what you say. We're not standing on the same page here. But that's the journey of faith. That's what God's working out a little bit among the transformation in our lives, becoming like Jesus. He's working out and developing a faith inside of you that will get that strong. It's a, it's, it's a declaration that this is what you will be in due time and in due season as I walk you through life. But be obedient to what I've called you to be. But we shouldn't be surprised. Look at uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. Again, this moment that Jesus is, is with his disciples. And he says, listen, I've, I've told you. I've told you all these things. Everything I've ever taught you. And, and remember, this is on the heels of the conversation about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role to, te to teach us and lead us and guide us into all truth and to even testify to the things that are about to come. There's more to be spoken on, on life. And he says, listen, all of that teaching that's going to come has been done so that you may have peace. Not peace like the world gives that's temporary. Not a, world, not a peace that, that is fragile, that, that yes, you know, for a moment I can have peace, and then all of a sudden something just a little bit bigger and a little bit tougher and a little bit scarier pushes that peace out of the way. God says, no, 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 no. I'm here. I want you to hear my words so that you would have peace. Because he makes this declaration in this world, this imperfect world, this broken world. This world has been so influenced by sin. He said, you will have trouble. That word in the Greek is this idea of trials and sorrows. Notice the difference? Trials, difficulties, challenges that will be in front of you that will, that, will, that will cause you not to have peace. Sorrow that will break your heart sometimes. Things that will mess with you. It could be within your family. It could be a loss. It could be, you know, it could be your marriage. It could be a situation with a family member. 
And Jesus said, listen, you're going to have trouble. That's coming. But take heart. I love those words. Come on, somebody needs to speak that over their life today. Take heart. Be encouraged. Because I have overcome the very world that will challenge your life. I love that. Actually, the phrase that I've overcome the world is basically Jesus saying, rest in my victory on the cross. Take rest. Just know that I've overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on. Love that. And so we shouldn't be surprised, but yet, listen, I don't know about you, but all of us have moments where we're so challenged. In fact, I find it difficult sometimes to see what God's doing because the obstacle's in front of me. You know, I've been kidding with the, uh, you know, the Thursday night crowd, the 9 o'clock crowd, or 9.15, about every time Cora and I would go to, like, a theater. And it's like moths to a flame that guaranteed no matter where Cora sits, the tallest person in the room will take up the seat in front of her. Right? And, and there are times where, you know, I offer, sometimes I'll offer Cord that little, you know, the little booster seat that you put on the theater seat? I'm going to sit in trouble for this one, but just as a joke, just a joke. I love her. I love her. She's, she's, got, she's got, you know, height challenges, but it's okay, man. Like, you know, like even when we were in Disney, we're on Disney. And so, you know, at the very end of the day, we're, she, I watched her at the beginning. She was trying to videotape. So was I, you know, the whole castle thing, the, you know, that lights up at night at Disney and all that kind of stuff, Hogwarts. So anyways, we were having a blast with it, but but I watched Cora because like, uh, you know, I'm not super tall, but I got enough that I can get over most people and here's Cora and I guarantee you her video is full of hands, like, you know, like, just in front of her. Like, it's hard and it's hard sometimes to see beyond the obstacle because we see the obstacle. Can I just point something out to you? Because it grabbed my, my, my mind when I was reading this passage for, for the first time at the beginning of the week when God gave the scripture to me. Do you notice that this passage does not give you the actual name of the king of Aram? Do you notice that it doesn't give you the king of Israel's name either? It doesn't even tell you the name of Elisha's servant who had traveled with them all the time. It doesn't name all of the places, except for Dothan and Samaria, which is a little bit later on in the passage. It doesn't even name those things. And it caught my eye. I thought, that was kind of weird. Why, why do I have to go research what the name of the king is? It's a little easier. Why not just say King Ben-Hadad? Like, come on. And then I started, studying, I started studying it. And many scholars believe that the reason why it was written that way was so that your focus is not on the obstacle where it's located, but the focus is on Elisha and what God did. And so, because listen, can I just say something? Your circumstance or the pressures or what surrounds you, we see it as, man, that's big. God goes, that's immaterial to me. Why? Because I've overcome the world. There's nothing that I can't do. You, see, you can lay anything in front of you, in front of him. Say, well, God, can you do this? Yep. That's why it's not named. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Oh, but Pastor Craig, I want to find that passage of scripture that talks specifically about this issue that I'm walking through. It doesn't matter. You know what matters? 
What matters is you serve a great God. You know what matters is you serve a God that is victorious. You know what matters? You have a conquering king that still sits on the throne and is above anything and everything that you face. That's all that matters. And that's the whole point of this passage. That when you're surrounded, and it's the reason why Elisha said, hey, don't be afraid. And then he prayed that prayer. He said, God, I'm going to ask you right now, would you please open his eyes so that he can see what I see? And all of a sudden, the, the servant's eyes were open, and he saw chariots of fire, this divine army, this spiritual army that had surrounded Elisha. Elisha saw it. He wasn't worried about it. He didn't freak out about it. He didn't go into panic mode. Or, or I mean, that's, and can I just say this? Man, I pray every time that I feel surrounded, I pray that my response is just like Elisha. I pray that I see that God surrounds me. Do you know that? Like, do you know that today? That when you're surrounded, and if you're in that spot today, and you feel like everything is around you, do you know because of your relationship and who you are in Christ Jesus, that he has surrounded you, he's protecting you? He's got your back. You're not alone, even if you can't see it. We sang the song today, Waymaker. The team didn't even know what my message was. I love that. It's the reason why I don't very often say to the worship team, hey, can we do this song? I normally don't say anything because I love it when a worship team just praying and saying, God, what's that song you want us to sing? And they pick it. I just love it how God leads and directs because some of us need to hear today that when you're surrounded, see that God surrounds you. There's warfare going on around you. Listen to Romans chapter 8. I love this passage. I was going to read verse 31, but, but I started to look at the verses before this. And it says this, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The, the goal of God is to take your life, my life, and to shape it and transform it to be just like Jesus. That Jesus would dwell inside your life and your heart. And he said that the prayer is that that he might be the firstborn, that Jesus would be the firstborn, that revolution, the revolution of faith, the new covenant, that he would be the firstborn among brothers and sisters, that there would be a long line of lineage of people coming to faith in Christ. He said, but those that he's predestined, he's also called. There's a calling on your life. And those that he's called, he's justified. He's justified you and I in front of the Lord. And listen, we're in that imposition. And then as we're growing in faith, that becomes more and more of a reality as the Holy Spirit works out all of our sin issues, all of the guilt, all of the shame. We're justified. We stand before God forgiven. And he said those that he's justified, he's also glorified. And then I love this. What then shall I say? In response of the things that I just told you. That God has done this work. He's done so much to pull you in, to have that relationship, to transform your life by the power of his spirit so that you can live in that, that place of being justified and, and that calling that he's called you out. What more shall I say in response of these things? Remember, if God has gone through all of that trouble to make this happen, if that's his goal, if that's his desire, then listen to this. If God is for us, then who in the world would even dare to try to be against us? There's an army of God that surrounds you, that protects you today. And my heart and my prayer for you, for me, 
is that you and I would see beyond what we're facing in front of us, even in the moments that we feel like we're surrounded and life is caving in, that you would know you're not alone, that you and I would see that God has you surrounded. But there's other things that I want you to catch today, that the prayer was bigger than that. I hope and pray that when you look, when you are surrounded, when I'm surrounded, that you would see that God sees everything and he steers you in a right direction. I, I love that verse uh, 12 where, you know, again, this, this phrase, you know, that the, uh, the officer of the Aramean army says to the king, he says, listen, king, let me tell you something. Elisha's over there, man, and he knows every detail. He hears and he knows every detail that you speak even in your bedroom. He wasn't talking about his physical bedroom, but what he was referring to is that even in the most confines, private moments of your life where only a few, a select few, or maybe even you yourself only know, Elisha sees it. And the reason why he sees it is because of his relationship with God. See, what I love about Elisha's response is that he's the complete opposite of what his servant did. His servant panicked. He didn't. Why? He had a confidence. Why? Because of that relationship with God. And with that relationship comes revelation and insight. And in the case of Elisha, Elisha had privilege to see and hear every little detail that no one was supposed to know except for the king. And then Elisha, without even blinking, he's like, man, guys, hey, King Joram, don't go here. Don't go there. Don't take that step. Don't take that move. And every time he said it to the king, the king would look back and go, wow, Elisha's right. Man, take confidence today and just listen. Because I know that God is going to lead you and guide you. And he's going to steer you from things that have been waiting to take you out. You ever have a moment where you've made a decision, you're not sure why you made the decision, maybe you've prayed about it and you felt like God saying, hey, listen, I just want you to do this. And you thought, well, okay, that's odd. I'm not sure why, I want to do, why you want me to do that, God. But okay, I'll do it, God. And then all of a sudden you look back after a few days or maybe a few weeks or maybe even an hour later or whatever, and you look back and you're going, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I listened to God. Because if I had kept on that road, this would have happened to me. That would have happened to me. Man, I'm so glad, God, that you called me. And have you ever thought yourself, just one step further, have you ever thought about the things that God has actually led you from that you're not even aware of? Just think about that for a second. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. I, this, because when I was reading this, I had this picture. When it was talking about the private conversations and how, you know, Elisha was revealing in order to help the king to avoid his demise or his suffering or his pain. That's why sometimes I think we get overwhelmed by, you know, okay, God, I don't get what you want me to do, but I'm just going to do it. And then we freak out and like, God, this doesn't make any sense, but sure, whatever. And, and then all of a sudden, months later, we realize why. Because listen, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, listen, be alert and be sober of mind because your enemy prowls around you like a roaring lion, looking for someone. You notice it just says someone. The enemy doesn't care who it is. 
The enemy doesn't care about your name. The enemy doesn't care who it is, but he's just looking for that moment. Here's the thing, you know, if you've ever watched lions stalk their prey, they will often chase and they will corner their prey to a place. But listen, they'll sit and lie and wait. It's not like they start running and then just chase down whoever they're, you know, wanting to eat for, you know, their lunch, their supper, their breakfast, or maybe an afternoon snack or whatever it might be. In fact, when I was studying this, because I had this picture, I had this picture of being surrounded, and I, I saw the enemy like a, you know, like a lion just wanting to, to hunt us down and just lay in wait, and all of a sudden, you know, I, one of the things that I discovered was that, that lions won't even dare to chase or go after their prey until they're at least 30, min, uh, 30 meters away, minimum. And even then, they'll only do it when the prey has its back against them. And cannot see them coming. And even yesterday, in fact, late last night when I got home, I really felt it strongly. I felt God saying, you may never know how many things God has led you from to protect your life. And that the circumstance and the situation that you might find yourself might actually be more of an act of grace than you and I realize. I think about that all the time. Because I know that there's an enemy just waiting for a moment for me to turn my back. And And it's not just to injure me. It's to take me out. But I'm surrounded I serve a God that sees everything and will whisper into my ear, go this way. Don't take that step. I've got you. I've got you. As Hillary comes, let me give you the last one today. And I share this message because I wanted to lay the groundwork as we talk about some of the wounds that we wrestle through. I'm included. When Elisha had prayed that the eyes of his servant would be open to see what was really going on, The rest of the passage goes like this. He says to the Lord, would you blind the eyes of this elite force? And so he did. He blinded the eyes. And so Elisha walks over to them and says, hey, the guy that you're looking for, he's not here. So I'm going to take you to where he is. And so this army had no choice to follow. They're blind. They have no idea. And so he leads them back to Samaria, it says. And Samaria is where the king of Israel was. And so verse 21, it picks up and the king looks at, at, at Elisha and he's like, Elisha. Because <laughs> at this point, their eyes have been opened. They realized uh, we're sunk. We're surrounded now by, you know, Israel, its army. They could take us out. And, and, and he's like, Elisha, 
should we kill him? Should we kill him? He says it twice. Like, you know how your kid gets in the car and it's like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? There's this excitement or anticipation. I just want to get out of here. I just want to do this. And he's like, Elijah, should we kill him? I mean, that makes sense. We could severely hamper this enemy that's been surrounding us and in places that we don't even know. We, we, could, we could damage their ability to attack us. I mean, it makes sense. Let's kill him. Let's take it out. The opportunity's right in front of us. Let's just do what I think we should do here, Elisha. Let's do it my way. Elisha goes, no, no, no. No, let's feed them instead. What? Now, this doesn't say this, but if you're King Joram, and you've had this enemy barreling down on you, and you've been, like, avoiding the army left, right, and center, and then all of a sudden you've got this significant chunk of your enemy's army, and you can take them out in one shot, it just makes sense to do it the way you think to do it. And Elisha goes, no, 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 I got another plan. Let's feed them. Let's put on a feast. That's actually what the word is. Let's put on a feast. Let's have a party that they're here. Really? We're seriously going to waste food and water and everything else and we're going to celebrate that they're here instead of taking them out this makes no sense what are you talking about Elisha you know part of the journey of faith is we often before we face something or as we're getting into something we often think God this is how it needs to be done it has to happen this way ever prayed that prayer? God, I'm praying this, man, it's got to happen this way. And can I just tell you that it might happen that way. But if it doesn't, that's okay. Because you and I need to trust that whatever decision or choice that God makes, listen to me, he has a surpassing solution, not just a solution, a surpassing solution and I chose that word specifically surpassing because it's beyond the way that we think it should be because what you don't know what I didn't realize when I first read it I'm like why would you feed it I'm with I'm with Joram like what seriously we're feeding them the scripture says that after they ate they left and they didn't attack the Israelites anymore for a long time want to know why because in the custom of its day when you invited your enemy to sit to have a meal with you, you were declaring that you were going to have a covenant of peace. And you are now obligated to honor that covenant because you ate. Now just think for a moment. If Joram had said, you know what, I'm king. I'm taking him out, Elisha. You're the prophet of God, I heard you, I understand that, but, but I'm the king and I make the call. We're taking them out. Have you ever thought that what would have happened in that moment? Remember what I said to you, that all of the armies of the Arameans were positioned in a place, they say, that quickly and unexpectedly they can attack at any moment. You don't think that there would have been this rush 
of warfare. And all of a sudden, the, even just a little bit of peace, even though he knew he was surrounded, all of a sudden got multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. Why? Because you think the Arameans are going to go, oh, forget it, let's walk, let's go home? No way, man. They were ready for battle. They were ready for war. They would have had revenge on their minds, and they probably would have brought an assault that was so significant. And yes, in the moment, Joram's way may have given them a sense of, you know, peace or, and I say peace, but remember what I said to you early. Jesus said, I give you peace, but I don't give you peace like the world. That's temporary. That's why we rely on him. If we want to know peace that is long lasting, we got to trust his way. Because that's what it did. Joram might have brought even more onto his life because of his choosing of his own way. But he decided to trust the prophet of God. He decided to trust the word of the Lord. And he decided that even though it was the opposite of what we should do in the natural, I'm gonna trust you, God. And it led to the army walking away. And for a long time, they enjoyed peace. Longer than they would have if they'd done it Joram's way. Just think about God's way will always bring you a lot deeper peace and all surpassing solution beyond what you and I could even dream, hope, or even want. So when you and I are surrounded, and I put myself in that spot, do you see? When the pressures of life are coming down on you, when the attack of the enemy is raging against you, do you see that you're surrounded by God? Do you see that God knows everything and he'll lead you and guide you in every step? Do you see that he has a solution that will bring peace for a long, long time? Do you see it? Do you speak it? Do you declare it over your life? Do you declare it over your circumstance, over your situation? Do you see it today? I pray that you see it. I pray that I see it. Because it changes how you walk. I don't even know if Elisha blinked an eye. And here's the thing. Because I know. Pastor Craig, that's just not the world we live in. Here's the problem. That's not the reality, PC. Yep, here's the problem. His word promises that when the storm hits, you will survive. I don't care what the natural says. I want to see what God sees. And I know that I have a God that surrounds me. And I don't care what my reality says. I know what revelation tells me. And I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to walk in that truth. I'm going to declare that truth. You know, God spoke to me a couple of weeks ago. He said, are you speaking the language of heaven? As I was driving in the middle of Toronto on a way up to do a youth retreat with a lot of different nationalities, different cultures, and God just out of nowhere as I'm sitting in the middle of traffic, 
God says, do you speak the language of heaven, Craig? Because you're a citizen of the king. Do you, speak the, do you speak the culture of your day or do you speak the language of heaven? What God was saying to me was, when you find yourself being surrounded, are you declaring my word or are you declaring the word of the natural world? Worry, fear, anxiety. Yeah, I get it. It's there. You know, I'll put it this way. I recognize worry, fear, and anxiety. Here's what I don't I choose not to recognize the thing that I battle every single day, just like you do. I just don't accept its authority over my life because it doesn't belong. I'm a child of the king. You're a child of the king, man. You're a daughter of the king. It's his word. It's his word. Come on. Would you stand with me all over this place? Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.